Hi, everyone. Welcome to In The Mix, the podcast where we cultivate conversation on the lived experiences of racially and ethnically mixed people. I'm your host, Brenna. I am a half-white, quarter-Japanese, and quarter-Filipino woman. Just to lay out a few ground rules, I use the word mixed as a shorthand term to refer to people of multiple racial and ethnic identities. Due to the nature of this podcast's theme, we may explore some heavy topics, including racism, colorism, sexism, and various forms of violence, as we explore personal and cultural histories. When those topics become relevant, I will add a trigger warning to the episode description, so please proceed at your own risk and honor your own capacity. Through the course of this podcast, we will explore cultures and experiences from all around the world, so if you don't see yours represented right now and you'd like to suggest a guest or have a question, please leave a comment. I would love the feedback. With that in mind, let's meet today's guest. everybody. Welcome to In The Mix. Uh, my name is Brenna Wilkin, and I'm here with Miss Kayla Thomas. If you listened to last week's episode, um, you heard the story of Miss Arissa Alonzo. Kayla is Arissa's older half-sister, and she has been gracious enough to come on the podcast and talk about her experiences growing up. Um, Kayla, would you mind introducing yourself a little bit? Hi, I am Kayla Thomas. I am, as you mentioned, Arissa's half-sister. And yeah, I'm 33 years old and excited to have this interview with you about navigating as a mixed person. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Thank you so much again for coming on. Um, can you tell me um, a little bit about your background? Yeah. So as far as like culturally, like parent wise, or sure, let's start or there. Okay. Let's start there. Yes. Mm-hmm. So our mom was half Irish, 25% Polish, 25% Mexican. And then my dad was, to my knowledge, Black. Um, He didn't know his father. So from my understanding, he's Black, could possibly have some Native American in there, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, But my ancestry results are pretty fun to look at. This is kind of a little bit of everything. (laughs) A little bit of everything. Yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to make sure I have my memory jogged. So your mom is a quarter Mexican? Yes. Oh, okay. I think Arissa said half as well, but so our grandparents are on on our mom's side were like my great grandparents, they were Mexican. Mm, but then okay. our grandmother was half Polish and half Mexican. Like our uncle his last name was Niklansky and our our grandma Judy her maiden name was Niklansky. Oh, okay. All right. That makes a little bit more sense. So when it comes to your mom's side, then I know that that side is like kind of distant, although it sounds like, so um, just for the audience's sake, you're 33 and you spent some time in Wisconsin and Arissa very notably did not. Um, Were your maternal grandparents, you know, like alive and um, like there to kind of grow up with you during that time when you were, you know, between ages of like four and eight? Um, so when I was very little and when Arissa was very little, they were around. I have a picture that I could share with you. Um, and it is of our grandmother, Duran. She was our great grandma and she was Mexican. And our great grandparents came from Puebla in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, you know, moved to Wisconsin when they were young as well. Um, there's actually a book 
that is sold in Wisconsin about the first Mexicans that moved to Milwaukee and our great grandparents are in there um, Oh, wow. and our uncle and everything. So it's, it's really cool to see, um, you know, our kind of our history that way. But yes, yeah, so they passed away when we were little. So we didn't really get a chance to like have, have a lot of memories with them. Oh, okay. That's super cool. Just, you know, being a part of your, your city's history. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so can you walk me through a little bit of the timeline of how did you come from Wisconsin to the Bay to where you are now? Yes. So when I was, I want to say about four or five years old, my mom and dad divorced. Um, she was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and they had met at a bar and they had me and then they separated and my mom ended up moving to San Francisco where my uncle or our uncle Bernie lives now um, on her side of the family. And so she lived there for my whole life. Um, and we lived on in hate Ashbury, uh, and we really loved it. And then when I was about 14, I went to visit my dad for the summer and somehow the custody got switched. I mean, obviously I was a child, so I didn't really know what was going on, but they had been going through a custody battle and he ended up keeping me, um, starting that summer when I was 14. And so I spent my high school years in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, And then when I graduated, I came back to San Francisco and kind of have been back and forth ever since. Um, but because I had so many like friends and family in Milwaukee and the Bay Area is hella expensive, I ended up moving back there to live. <laughs> and um, recently, uh, in September of last year, I moved out to Arizona with my fiance because similarly, he was in a custody battle with his children and their mother. And in order to keep stability, he decided to relocate out to Arizona here where she was, she had moved so that the kids didn't have to fly back and forth. Well, thank you for sharing that. I am also a kid of divorced parents. Like it sucks sometimes, but we love them. Um, Mm -hmm. Yes. So I guess the point in that story that kind of hits and makes me wonder is, so when you're 14, you go to visit your dad for the summer and then something happens with the courts Mm -hmm. and you end up, you know, going to school there, staying there. Did you get any time to like get your things and transition? No, I was completely blindsided, very upset, very rebellious. Um, I actually was more upset because he knew and didn't tell me. Um, Literally the whole summer while I was in Milwaukee, I was working. I had gotten into the high school that I wanted to go to in San Francisco. My friends were going there. I was like working on a like summer project that I was supposed to present my first week of school. Um, Like he watched me get like make this whole board and like, you know, all this stuff. And then like a week before I was supposed to fly back, he's like, oh, by the way, you're not going back. And so I was really upset about that, especially like spending my whole pretty much life at that point in San Francisco. Um, and I had all my friends there and everything. And especially growing up with my mom, who I like loved and my little sister, <laughs> who I was very close with, even though she's seven years younger than me, like, we're like this, even when she was little. So Yeah. um, that was 
pretty terrible for me. Mm. Yeah, that's a that's quite an age to do that. <laughs> And please excuse if I like my face. I need to control my face. yeah. <laughs> But um yeah, I just I just kind of feel for you of like not really being able to control that circumstance. Yeah, I like as an adult, like I, I kind of understand. I do understand because I don't know if Arissa mentioned it. I don't think she mentioned it, but our mom was an alcoholic and there were some things that had been, you know, neglected in a sense. Like I had really severe scoliosis and it wasn't getting like, I guess, the treatment that it should have been getting, which when I moved in with my dad, he did get me. I had spinal fusion surgery. So my spine was like literally an S and they said I would be hunchback by middle age if I didn't get that corrected. And so I literally had a surgery where like they have metal rods on the side of my back now. Um, and so there were a lot of things that that changed for the better. Like my mom didn't really not care, but she wasn't really on top of my schoolwork like that. So my grades were kind of like C's and D's in California. And when I lived with my dad, I had like A's and B's. So like looking back in hindsight, I can see that it was better for me. I just wish it was handled differently. <laughs> Mhm. Mm yeah. Yeah, that I mean that is very gracious. That was something that um Arissa and I had like discussed privately was that, you know, you know, addiction addiction is addiction and it's hard to watch somebody you love go through that as a child and also be a consequence of it. Yes, exactly. And it, Mhm. Mm I, it's hard because I wasn't really affected by it. Like as a child, I had a very active mother and she was very fun. Like she always had parties and like all this stuff, but like my sister didn't get the same version of her. And that's something that I always like kind of feel bad about because she didn't get that as a child. I kind of had to be the mom figure in a sense. yeah oh the plight of an eldest of an oldest <laughs> daughter <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah to look a little bit back at your parents so you were able to spend a little bit of time with your grandparents in Milwaukee and you've obviously spent Mm -hmm. um, up until the age of 14 with your mother and then moving back to San Francisco I'm sure you spent some time with her there um Yeah. what has been your experience with your father's side of the family Um, if you could sum I it up love, yeah, I mean, I love them. They're very loving. Um, I don't know. There's not an extended family in a sense. Like I'm, I'm really close to my dad and I'm really close to my aunt, his sister. Um, and I was really close to my uncles. Um, they passed away, but you know, we have a very close knit family, like my little brothers, I have three little brothers and they're super, we're all super close with each other. Um, So that's always been something that's been kind of a um, a rock for me in a sense. But I don't really know like a lot about my family history on that side, I guess. I know more on my mom's side. Okay. So from what Arissa said in her interview, for a time in San Francisco, especially after your mom had gotten with her dad, you were raised in a sort of like a blended family sort of sense, not Yes, just very with, much so. yeah, not just with Arissa, but also with your dad's kids as well, your brothers. And so... Yeah. I don't 
know if it's just a a little bit of a rosy tint to it, but can you tell me a little bit of what that was like growing up with your all of your half siblings? Yeah, so it was very confusing for me, I feel like, as a child, because, well, from a very early age, I can remember, like, being around my mom's side of the family, like, as a very young child, um, at my grandma Judy's house, like, she would speak in Spanish, I remember vividly, you know, here and there. Um, she used to always call me Kailita and, you know, it wasn't like a lot of fluent Spanish, but she would say phrases here and there. I remember that growing up. And then when we moved to San Francisco, I kind of didn't think of race. I didn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't really think of that as a child. And it wasn't until there was one incident in elementary school where Arissa's dad used to bring us to school and I remember vividly that there was, this is something that like has like stuck in my head. Mm -hmm. Um, The school that I was at had a Martin Luther King day celebration and all of the black kids got to go. And I was the only one in the class that didn't get to go. And I was so upset and I didn't know, I thought I did something wrong. Everybody came back from this like parade and had candy and they were so excited. They had all this fun. And then I was like really upset about it. And I talked to my mom about it and she asked the school, like, well, why was she excluded? And they were like, oh, well, we didn't know she was black because like we see a white woman and an Asian man always drop her off. So we just assumed that she wasn't black. And so that was the first time like it really resonated in my head, like about race, mm-hmm. because you know, number one, like you shouldn't exclude anybody. Every It's Martin Luther King. Like he's about unity. So everybody should have gotten to go to his parade. Mm-hmm. But like number two, they probably should have asked the parents, you know, you would think that they would have asked before doing something that in- excludes a whole like group of people, um, of kids. So that's something that, that made me really like step, step back as a child and look. <laughs> yeah, that's, so weird mm-hmm. i am like try i try to give people grace but that's so weird just to kind of pick and to say like oh well only this group of people can celebrate martin luther king yeah <laughs> that, that yeah does that was kind of traumatic sense. for me <laughs> as yeah. a kid because i like experienced that like feeling of being left out yeah um of something that was for like my quote unquote race or culture or whatever. But I, that was something that stuck out to me that made me really think like, okay, that was something that, that made me think, okay, my race is something that matters to me in a sense. Mm, Yeah. That is really interesting. But you know, it's funny, like I hear so many stories of like, there is that like core memory moment Mm -hmm. for a lot of kids where it's just like, oh, this I'm different and it matters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that for a time, I guess, like being in San Francisco, race didn't really matter in terms of like being a detriment until then. Mm Mm-hmm. Growing up with your mom's side and then with um, Arissa's dad, 
did you ever really get to talk to your dad about being black about what that experience is like did you ever tell him about that No, I don't think I ever really talked about it. Um, I kind of, from that point on, I started being that person that felt like I wasn't enough of either or. Like, clearly, when people look at me, they know I'm not white. Um, but I, everybody from being little to now always asks, like, what are you? Because they don't know and they can't tell. And I'm like, I'm a human. Um, <laughs> but I, I like, I, so I have to always like break it down. Like, well, my, my mom is this and my dad is this. So I'm just a mix of everything, I guess. But um, a lot of people were confused be and still are because they see me with my sister's dad, who's Mm-hmm. Filipino, um, or they would see me with my sister and they would like either... They would just be confused because you can't really tell what Arissa is. You can't tell her like ethnic background either. So it's kind of like that weird in between where like I, because I was raised by a hippie mom, I don't have any rhythm <laughs> and I don't know how to like do things that a lot of like my black friends know how to do like braid hair and, you know, just certain things. Um, so became like a task for me as an adult to try to learn how to do a lot of things that I wasn't exposed to as a child. Um, and I still can't do a lot of things. I still have no rhythm. So <laughs> it's okay. You don't need to do all of them, I guess. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. right. I was gonna say I was blessed to be like have that that, um, you know, exposure to Arissa's side of the family, which of course I think of them as my family too. And, and the Filipino side and they never like treated me any differently. It was like, Oh, you're part of the family. And that's where my love of Filipino food came from. Mm -hmm. Yay. Well, I'm glad, you know, you know, my Filipino grandma in Mesa is the kind where she will like adopt you if you're in her house. So it's just like, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter where you came from. You just, you just need to like participate and eat and be okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I guess that is surprising, a bit surprising to me, because one of the things that I found kind of interesting about Black culture is that there is a built-in term for Mm hmm someone that is mixed. And some cultures have, or rather just like mixed white, there's a built-in term Mm hmm for that. And colloquially, it's like, it's, it's common, puppy, it's common to hear someone like be called light-skinned. And so it didn't, I guess for me, I didn't really know that you could get excluded from that. Mm hmm. So Yeah, that. I mean, there's, there's, you know, so many prejudices for like light skinned people, dark skinned people. I mean, I just feel like everybody's beautiful. Like, I don't understand. But I, but I also know that it goes back to, you know, slavery, where, you know, when the slave masters, quote unquote, would have children with the slaves, they would be you know the house slaves and be treated a little bit better than you know the the ones that they didn't procreate with um and it caught caused that stigma or that prejudice or that you know underlying hatred i don't know what it is exactly or discrimination against like different shades but it doesn't make sense to me especially in 2023 <laughs> Mm -hmm. But yeah I do notice that 
you know, and I have seen that people get treated differently um, because of their skin color, obviously, with even within the same race. Um, real quick for the audio listeners, can you describe yourself a little bit physically? Um, yeah, I mean, I have very long hair. It's naturally curly. I don't know where it comes from. It could come from any of the sides that I'm, I have, <laughs> any of the genetics I have. Um, but um, I have light skin. Um, I don't even know exactly what color you would say, like a cinnamon <laughs> um, and uh, brown eyes. So that is, I don't really know. I'm tall and skinny. <laughs> Lots of tattoos. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. I do see the resemblance between you and Arissa. I can very much see it. Your mom A lot of people very say strong. we look at our mom. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after going to Milwaukee, I guess after moving to Milwaukee, and living with your dad's side. So you told me earlier that your dad, he didn't know his dad. Mm -hmm. Okay. Was your grandmother still alive and around? Yeah. So he, he was raised by his grandparents, um, who I, I called. So his mom, his birth mother passed away when she was very young in her Mm -hmm. thirties from cancer and so he was raised by her sister, who I I knew my whole life as my grand grand, and her husband at the time that was my grandpa or my papa, and so they raised him, oh. and that's who I knew of as my grandparents. I think it was kind of normal to me, even at that age, to just be around like different races because, like, ever since I was a small child, it was like my mom was white passing or white, you know, cause that's the majority of her ethnic background. And then my sister's dad was Filipino. And then my grandfather on my dad's side was white. And then my grandma was black. And so I just was always surrounded by kind of a mixture of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting to meet people where they come from backgrounds like that, because it does show that like having interracial relationships has been a thing for ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like the history of that and seeing how, you know, you make, you make it work somehow. Yeah. It's always so fun. And you see what people pick up and what they don't. Yeah, definitely. I I feel like I haven't really had the opportunity to date outside my race. Um, Just like what, just what has come into my life, I guess, you know, ever since I started dating, Um, It's always been like black guys. So that's just what I know. Like I've always been like interested and like I don't discriminate, but um, I was always wondered like if I were to have dated outside my race, would I have the same connections that I do with the person that I'm with now, you know? Hmm. That's an interesting way to think about it too. Have you run into any sort of situation where the fact that you're mixed and the fact that you're lighter skin, you know, comes up? Has there ever been a conversation where somebody brings that up? No, not that I can recall. Um, Like my fiance jokes about it. Like he jokes about my ancestry results because they're like 
it says I'm like Nigerian. He's like, oh, my Nigerian princess. <laughs> um, but um, he, you know, a lot of people in the black community joke about like light skinned people like, oh, that's a light skinned thing. that's a light skin thing um just kind of like how like more stuck up people or something of that nature um and but i never felt personally attacked by it Well, I'm glad, but <laughs> people on the internet have too much to say sometimes. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of rolling back to your childhood and I guess your teen years, like the teen years especially kind of interest me because a lot of the time that's when, you know, you start solidifying sort of this outlook or at least for Arissa too, that's when, you know, everything kind of hit and everything gelled and made sense in terms of just like, oh, Like, this is my identity and I need to look at this. Did you Mm ever -hmm. have, like, did you ever run into that awakening? yeah um not really I kind of have tried my as 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 early as I've been aware Mm hmm to embrace as much of all of my culture's and heritage as I can like our mom would set up an altar for her mother on like Dia de los Muertos and like put like get tamales and like light candles with you know Guadalupe on Saint Gu Guadalupe on them and and so through that we kind of got some of our Mexican heritage and and I, that's where my love of like Mexican food came from um, and then you know when I went to my dad's house, like my aunt, she's a phenomenal cook. Like I could eat her food all day, every day, but she's throws down on soul food. Um, and she, you know, knows a lot about our family history. And so she has always like been very vocal about teaching me about, you know, her mom and as much as she knows about our family. Um, but I don't too much know about the Irish side, um, but I did, you know, my mom's dad also died when I was younger. And so, you know, I never really got a chance to talk to him or ask him about like the Irish part of the family. I just know from what I see on Ancestry. Mm -hmm. Did you take the ancestry test just because you were curious? Yeah, I just wanted to see like exactly where... where like we came from and it's a really cool like it does show like everything like our you know our parents the grandparents the great-grandparents and like exactly where in Ireland and Mexico they came from like so it's very interesting mm-hmm Mm. Well, that's good. So between you and Arissa, I am very interested in your mom. And in some ways, I like the way that you guys grow up reminds me a little bit of how me and my sister grew up. We're just under six years apart. Okay. And there's like a little for me, I felt like there was a little bit of like a separation where I'm Filipino and she's not. Mhm. Mm And then like. she's Mexican or she's part Mexican and I'm not, but you know, that, mhm. Mm that integration between us, like it kind of blends that line. Did you ever, I guess, have a conversation with Arissa where like you had to explain anything about your background, about your family on your dad's side? No, like curiously enough, it's Uh-huh. interesting that you bring that up because 
it never came up to like that I can recall like it was just always us you know Mm -hmm. we were just always together and and we didn't like we didn't really see race but we never really had a conversation about like why we look different from each other Mm. it just kind of it was what it was at the time um which I think also played a factor with us growing up in San Francisco because literally everywhere you look everybody's different you know so I think kind of being raised in that open environment where everybody is like loved and accepted and um every every time you open your eyes or go outside like people there's people different celebrating their differences so I think that really played a part into um kind of how content we were with not thinking about that Mm. yeah as we got older of course people are like how are you related but (laughs) yeah having that conversation is always I don't know, for me, it's a little bit of a drag because it's like, here's my entire family tree, like pull it down like a, (laughs) yeah, but um, like we're trying to move towards adulthood and now you Mm -hmm. have a fiance Mm -hmm. who is black and he has two kids. Yes. Um, So as I understand it, you've grown up with, or rather these kids have grown up with you. You've been functionally Mm -hmm. their stepmom the entire time. Yeah. So, sorry, I don't feel like I'm interviewing very well today. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I think I know what you're trying to say. Um, And one thing that's funny that recently happened is, Mm -hmm. you know, we had in in the most recent years, like with he who must not be named in office, um, (laughs) a lot of Asian hate. And so I was kind of talking to the kids about it one time. And I'm like, yeah, you know, TT Riri is Asian. And my fiance's younger son was like, she's Asian. She doesn't even look Asian. And so that kind of like sparked a conversation because I was like, well, what did you think, you know, her background was? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> but like, even, you know, you, you come to realize like kids don't even think about that stuff. You know, he's just like, that's my aunt. Like, I don't, I don't know what, what. Mm-hmm. I don't care, like, you know, what, what her background is. But um, I was just explaining to him about all the different, like, racial biases and, like, violence that Asian people have experienced, you know, recently because of the ignorance that was being perpetrated. Um, and so, you know, they they even haven't experienced so much racism themselves, even being out in Arizona with it being a conservative state. Like, yes, we are a minority where we are. Um, and the older son, he has experienced racism from kids in his class, but um, it's few and far in between. Um, so mm-hmm. like, it's just like, we'll pray that continues. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it just reminded me of like when I was a kid too. It's like I didn't, I didn't think about that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for kind of getting what I was looking for. I guess my question was like, how do those conversations play out? When do you, as a parent, decide to have that conversation with your kids about other people, about you being mixed, about Mm -hmm. people being mixed, and then it, it's just so sad of like how early you have to have that discussion. Yeah. Yeah. And so on my, my fiance is a light skinned man, 
and his mom and dad are very fair skinned and his sister is like very, very fair skinned. And because his kids have a mother who's black and darker skinned, there is that kind of feeling, I guess, of his older son maybe feeling left out when he was younger he used to say that he didn't care for his skin color because he was the only one on our side who was dark mm -hmm. and so we really had to like reinforce that your skin is beautiful you know you should never be ashamed of your skin um, because his older brother is like a little bit darker than me but he's like a caramel skin child um, and so you know when he is on this side, it, you know, he did feel those feelings of being different, mm -hmm. um, of being maybe left out because he was the only one on this side that was dark skin. Um, but I feel like now he embraces his skin color. Mm. So I'm happy about that. I'm happy about that too. So something that I've learned in this process is that there are a lot more resources nowadays for parents of ethnic children to have those discussions and to give it to a child at a child's level. Um, what has been helpful for you and your fiance to, you know, talk to your older son about being darker skin and talk to, um, you know, your younger kids of just like, oh, by the way, me and Auntie Rissa are not, you know, carbon copies of the same thing, the way that kids think. Yeah. yeah Is there anything no. that's been helpful? Um, I kind of have explained it to them as like, you are like genetics is crazy. Like you never know how genetics is going to work. Um, it's very clear that my fiance and his ex, their kids are literal copies of each other. So like his younger son looks and acts just like him. And his older son looks and acts just like his mom. And like, it's like, it's like literally like they're split <laughs> like from each mm -hmm. parent. And so, you know, that's kind of how we explained it to them. Um, you know, there's nothing bad about either way, either one. That's just how their genetics came out. And for Arissa and I, you know, we both look like our I feel like we both look like our mom and we both look like our dad like if you saw mm -hmm. us standing with all of them together you would couldn't say like who looked more like who mm -hmm. and I think people a lot of people can tell we're sisters because of our smile like we have the same smile and mm -hmm. our mom always called it the Gumby like it runs in our family so our gum show oh my <laughs> god <laughs> just dug up a memory <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I think that's really awesome because it guides them towards looking for the similarities mm -hmm. between you guys yeah and so it makes I feel like that is a great way to go about it because you know it makes it sounds like it makes you feel less alone yeah definitely when, and yeah Mm hmm. Yeah. And I, I want the kids to grow up how we grew up and not see black or white or Asian or whatever it is and just see the people for who they are. And I feel like that's how they have grown up. 
Um, they have a very mixed group of friends themselves of all different races and sizes. And so I really think that that's important um, because I don't want, like, I want them to know their identity, but I also want them to know that it's okay to not like stick yourself in with only one group of people so that they can experience different opinions and different backgrounds and different cultures and things like that. Mm-hmm. This will circle back, but you said a little bit earlier that as an adult, you've had to kind of learn how to do certain things that you would have learned if you had grown up with a little bit more of like a black community around if I'm Mm -hmm. phrasing that well like you said you know you apparently have no have no sense of rhythm quote unquote (laughs) and things like that what are Mm -hmm. some of the things that you've done to kind of do that um I have had conversations with my aunt so she's taught me how to cook soul food um so that was something that I really wanted to learn how to do um and take from not only the culture but also like from my family like I want to make sure that her recipes live on um because they are so good <laughs> um and like just um something that I I didn't grow up with was like music. You know, I always, my mom raised us on like disco and rock and roll. So I never really Mm -hmm. listened to like hip hop or R&B that much when I was a kid. Um, And so that's something that I really enjoy listening now to now as an adult, like going to concerts, Um, even fashion wise, you know, when I was little, my mom just kind of threw whatever on me. Like I, tie-dye hippie kind of mismatch stuff Mm -hmm. and so as I got older I kind of leaned into like learning what was what was my style and what I enjoy and now I'm like a really big like you know sneaker sweatpant person like I just like to be comfortable but like a lot of my friends joke that I have a million shoes when I really don't, but <laughs> I, um, that's always been something that they kind of joke with me about is like my style and how it's, I guess my sister thinks I have the coolest style. She raid, would raid my closet and stuff like that. But. Oh, that's sweet. You know, my, my sister told me that I dressed like a math teacher on her second divorce. <laughs> oh my so. gosh. <laughs> I was like, yours is a lot nicer than mine. <laughs> yeah. Um, has your fiance been like part of the process in that then? Has he, because he's an artist and, you know, very, a pretty prolific one at that. Has he been mm-hmm. sort of involved in that as well? Yeah. I mean, we actually kind of teach each other. So when we first met, he had not experience like certain types of Asian food. Like I introduced him to Vietnamese food and Thai food because that's what I had grown up on in the Bay area. Mm. Um, and when I moved out to Milwaukee, there wasn't a big market for that. Um, so I really had to like search and find like good Thai food and good Vietnamese food. And, um, so I kind of took him on that journey with me. Like we had, I like told him like, oh my gosh, pho is so amazing. It's so delicious. And, and then we found like a place together that, that we really liked. Um, but as far as culturally wise, his mom um, is also a phenomenal artist. So mm. 
they're kind of very much free spirits in the way that they act and dress, you know, and his mom was actually an activist for black people when she was in college um, in Wisconsin. And so I learned a lot from her as well, just about like activism and, you know, what you can do, you know, to help. You guys like just have so many powerful people around you. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Grandma Estella is very big in the Filipino activism movement. And mm-hmm. I actually, um, I want to say last year we had the AA, I, uh, Asian American, yeah, Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And I actually, my job interviewed her. Oh, wow. Um, I like suggested her and we had, um, they interviewed her and, and it was really cool to see her speak on a panel um, and really tell about like her background. And um, I was just so proud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, on my, on my side, it's funny because my, so my sister's dad, his mom lived with us and mm-hmm. raised, like was very involved in raising Taya and I for the first couple of years of her life too. And so I'm like that, even if it's a step or if it's like, oh, this is my half sister's grandma. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting just to like watch that connection go because I'm like, that's still my grandma. That's still Oma. Yeah. But yeah. explaining all of the labels and everything of how we got there is yeah. interesting. Yeah. Exactly. And like, I don't even think of my siblings, even though all my siblings are half siblings. Like I don't, I just call them my sisters, my brothers. Like I don't think of it like that. Um, And so, you know, when people ask, I was like, yeah, it's my sister. Like we have a different dad, but it's my sister. That's my brother, you know, and it is what it is. I mean, we were raised together. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there was a disconnect where we we didn't know each other or have each other around. Um, obviously when I lived in Milwaukee, I was apart from her, but I would go back to visit like every summer and for holidays. And so, um, our bond wasn't really like damaged by that. Well, I'm glad that's really important. Yeah. So do you think you could also kind of describe for me, because it seems like, you know, your life has been very blended but mm-hmm. do you have any really standout memories between both sides of your family, between all sides of your family? I can't describe that like binary yeah. at this point because it's like four different sides. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I know like we have on my mom's side, some of our family members because they even though they're Polish and Mexican, but they don't identify as being Mexican. Mm. They identify with being white. And so we have some family members that are like conservative Republicans. Yes. And (laughs) yes. And so we actually had to like unfriend them on Facebook and kind of separate ourselves from them. Um, Unfortunately, like, and it sucks because we grew up with them like being very close to them but Mm. as an adult like the things that they post are very damaging you know they're very racist and very biased and very prejudiced and just about like you know black people this and and you know democrats this and and so it's like the fact that you're generalizing a whole group of people 
um, instead of saying, okay, the people that are doing the things that you don't like are, that's one thing, but you're generalizing a whole group of people and saying all of them are bad, but you're not bad because you're my family member. Like, that's not okay. Like, I can't, I can't agree with you and I can't, you know, have that on my feed. Like, I'm not going to, I don't want to see hate mm-hmm. perpetrated and spread. So I have to separate myself from that for my own you know, mental, emotional, and just like, like, um, I can't think of the word, but like morally sanity. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we have a cousin that literally would post pictures of himself in blackface and then post Facebook posts about like, Ooh, fried chicken and watermelon, you know, like just being super racist, like blatantly yeah. racist and think it was really funny. Um, and then when other family members would like reach out to him and say like, Hey, that's not funny. He would like cuss them out and just be super disrespectful. And so, um, you know, unfortunately that's the kind of, of person that we don't want to be around and don't want to even be correlated with. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is something that I've run into with a lot of people where it's just like, people will be racist and then it's like, okay, but you're the exception. Yeah. Exactly. They do not think that this is not hitting the person you care about. Well, one thing that I never really talked about, but I, so I mentioned that our mom was alcoholic, mm-hmm. but when she, she did get drunk, she did say racist things, but it was towards my dad So my whole entire life, my mom never had one good thing to say about my dad. Like he was just a terrible person. And I think it just stemmed from like him being able to get custody from her um, at one point. But, you know, I I vividly remember that one time she was drunk and she left a voicemail on my phone and she called my dad. And and I kind of like was in a it was hard for me to know like how to how to react and how to take that because like when she was sober she didn't remember saying that and she's like I would never say that I don't believe you but I literally had a voicemail of her saying it and so it kind of like I didn't really know like what to do with that and how to unpack that because it's like, okay, is my mom racist? Is she not racist? You know, how do you say that when you're intoxicated and then not think about that or mean it when you're not intoxicated? Because some people say like, oh, when you're drunk, the true the true you comes out. But I knew the sober version of my mom was like most loving, most caring, you know, diverse person ever, you know, but, but that, that was really hard for me. And I never really talked about that with anybody. Um, and I still kind of don't know like how to unpack that, but, um, it, it was definitely something that affected me. And I was like, how could you say that about him when you have a black child? Cause that word, like just like, you're basically calling me that too. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. I'm so sorry you had to experience yeah. that. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because your mom and I have kind of steered away from talking about your mom because, you know, you're raised not to speak ill of the dead. Mm hmm And so I've let you and your sister come forward with whatever you feel comfortable sharing. And so I very much appreciate your honesty and your rawness in this, but I can't say that I'm not surprised to hear that that happened because it happens in so many other families with a white parent or, a, Mm hmm you know, somebody that's been able to walk the world as white Mm hmm Yeah. with an ethnic, with a dark skinned or, you know, a darker skinned person. Mm hmm And that's just so cruel. And I, my firm like soapbox is like, if you do not do the work to unpack yourself, you should not have kids Mm hmm of a different background than you. Yeah. And And it's I, weird because like, you know, she liked black men, you know, so like she dated multiple black guys. And so it was just very weird to me that that word even came out of her mouth. But then it also was like, is that her speaking or is it like her family members speaking through her? Um, I don't know. It was just a very weird situation. And I never kind of got to have a residual conversation with her afterwards. And I don't think, and like, I, you know, she just, she just denied it that she ever said it. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I think it, And it also, is very odd. and also like, where's the line between, was that her speaking? Was that the alcohol speaking? And was that her family speaking? It's like, when does that all just become something you still have to take accountability for? Exactly. Yeah. And I think like, even if you do take accountability, like that's a word that you can't really take back, <laughs> you know, like that's probably like the worst thing that you can call somebody. Um, May I ask, what age did you hear that? I was probably, I guess I'm 33 now. I want to say it was in, it was probably like within the last, let's see, the last five to six years. Because Mm, the I, last... I moved out to San Francisco when I was, I moved out to San Francisco in 2013 and 2014. Um, Um, and it was around that time period. Um, let me see that I lived there. Let me think. So I'm guessing you were either in your teens or twenties. I was in my twenties for sure. Mm. Hey, more, more like last 10 years. Um, it was around, I think 2014. Yeah. So like your early twenties sort of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that, so your mom passed about 2020, right? Yes. Yeah. You never really got to have a conversation with her about that. Um, what was communication like at that point? Because she just left you a voicemail. Yeah, she was really drunk and she left me a voicemail and just Hmm. said that. And she had a habit of leaving Arissa and I voicemails when she was drunk. and telling us that she was going to kill herself often. Um, she was just 
a very unhappy drunk, <laughs> I guess is the only way to say it. She, um, you know, overdosed quite a few times um, and survived. Yeah. Well, once again, like, thank you for sharing that. I don't mean to cry too much. Yeah, no, yeah. I think, it, I mean, it's a conversation that needs to be had. I mean, there's so many other people that experience that and, mm -hmm. at, you know, Arissa and I had to separate the person that she was when she was intoxicated from the person that she was when she wasn't because it was literally night and day. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, hold on to the good memories um, so that we can have that that from her. Hold on to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When it comes to kind of internally with your family, maybe it's like also in tandem with your mom's addiction and you know all the divisiveness and chaos that was happening around your your mom's side and with mm -hmm. your you know cousins being racist online did yours and Arissa's background ever come up in those discussions no. later in life either no that was the crazy thing is like they've always acted as if like everybody like you're excluded from that you mm -hmm. know and and Arissa and I are very much like, no, like if you're talking about them, you're talking about us too. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how we got into it with our family members in a sense and separated ourselves from them. Um, so unfortunately we don't have that relationship with people that we were once very, very close with. Um, but I can't rightfully have a relationship with a person who you know, does spout racism. Um, and even, you know, we have one of our family members that tries to like bring us together, but we've tried to have conversations and, you know, it's not her. We didn't just cut them off. We tried to have conversations first mm -hmm. and it, it wasn't being heard. So we just had to make the difficult decision to decide to not speak with that side of the family or those particular people it's not everybody it's just you know certain people mm -hmm. so it's like mm -hmm. you're excluded from for one that mlk celebration that, that still just doesn't make any <laughs> any sense to me you're no. excluded from that because they don't see you as as black in a lot of ways you've like were well you're excluded from that and then there is a bit of a separation being a mixed black person and then somehow mm -hmm. you managed to get excluded from your family's racism and it's like mm -hmm. it, it would be nice for one thing that you experienced to be straight up mm -hmm. yeah and that's just a wild experience and story for somebody to have <laughs> yeah I mean I've experienced a lot even when I was little like my friends that were black at school would like at recess they'd be like come here Kayla let's braid your hair hair and they like braid my hair all <laughs> recessed because they're like oh your hair is so long like I want to play in it mm -hmm. um and so I kind of got that acceptance which I really I think was looking for from people that looked like me you mm -hmm. know and I was glad that I didn't feel excluded with my friends at school um and I got to have that experience um it was it was, you know, as a child growing up in like a, a white household, it was difficult for me to 
make those connections um, essentially with my culture because like my dad didn't really talk talk about it either he didn't really have that conversation with me about race um Mm -hmm. so it was kind of something that I just experienced growing up um and tried to understand on my own Mm -hmm. you know I'm like just being a little girl and having people bring you in is so healing (laughs) I'm like yeah and like little girls are miracle. I think little girls are miracle workers a little bit in that way, but I'm glad for you and for Arissa and, you know, for people to be able to find the places where you feel like you belong. Yeah. yeah. One thing that I like really, really wanted to experience and unfortunately I didn't get to was going to a historically black college. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really wanted to have that experience And I actually applied to both Spelman College and Clark Atlanta University. I got into both of them, but my dad um, ended up having an unexpected child right before I was going to go off to college. I actually was like going to go to Spelman (laughs) and my dad ended up reaching out to me. I actually went to California to like say bye to my mom. Cause I had to like, you actually have to get on a train and like, there's this whole ceremony you have to do. And then he reached out to me. He was like, Hey, unfortunately I'm not going to be able to afford you going to that college because you have a brother on the way. <laughs> and <laughs> the craziest thing to me, like looking back on it is still the craziest thing to me is that not one person. Um, and I was in all like, AP classes in high school, not one person sat me down and was like, here's how to fill out a scholarship. So I could have had the opportunity to go, but nobody helped me with that. And I thought that was really strange as well, because I like being in advanced placement classes, you think your teachers would talk to you about it or like Mm -hmm. your counselor would talk to you about it, but like nobody did. So I just lost the opportunity to go, um, and thankfully, my job paid for me to get my degree, but um, I really wanted to have that experience and like get get to, you know have that that culture that I was mm-hmm. kind of like missed my whole life in learning more about. Well, that well that was a turn of events. <laughs> yeah. One thing that I've noticed just with things becoming more and more public online, and I've talked about this a little bit before on the pod that like, I think in most cultures, you have the inside the culture conversation, and then there's the outside Mm -hmm. the culture conversation Mm -hmm. and H like um, historically black colleges and universities, like all of those traditions and the parties and the mm-hmm. clothes and all of mm-hmm. it, it's so rich, mm-hmm. but it's something that it's like, this is, it, it was always like, this is for us. Yeah. And, yeah. And it should be, it's like, yeah, that is yours. That's your community. You should mm-hmm. have a place to experience all of those things. Yes. More people know about it just because of mm-hmm. people posting on social media and also yeah. obviously more people being willing to, integrate and break down those barriers Mm -hmm. but that's just a wild turn of events of why you didn't end up going is because your dad had another kid 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he told me initially that he was going to pay for my college tuition, which it was like $30,000 a semester. <laughs> and um, I don't know how he was going to afford that anyway. But um, yeah, I, I was like, yeah, I could have, you know, if somebody would have been like, hey, OK, well, here's an alternative. You can fill out a scholarship or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I could have still gone, but nobody even brought it up. Um, and, and I didn't expect my mom to, because she didn't want me to go to it. Not that she didn't want me to go to a historically black college, but she wanted me to go to college in California mm-hmm. and she wasn't really, she didn't, she didn't go to college. She dropped out of high school. Um, mm-hmm. and so she wasn't really well-versed in scholarships and that kind of thing. But my dad should have kind of known or even like the school should have offered something yeah. kind of resources, but I don't dwell on it too much. I just wish that I would have had been able to have that experience. But if I did, I don't know if I would be in the same place now. That's always the hard part is, you know, a butterfly flaps his wings and then mm-hmm. everything changes. Yep. Yeah. There, I'm like, there's needs to be so much more support in schools, especially like it's not intuitive of how to fill out an application the scholarship no. application it's mm-hmm. so dumb but i'm like well how old is your brother well or your I have, sister <laughs> <laughs> i have a lot of them um so my oldest brother is 40 mm-hmm. and then and i have a 15 17 and 19 year old brother as well Um, And so I, you know, my oldest little brother is in college um, for engineering in Milwaukee. My middle one is going to be going into his senior year of high school. And so I really want to make sure that he doesn't have the same mistakes that I had. Um, So I definitely want to make sure because he he actually wants to come to college in Arizona so he can be by me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I want to make sure I look up scholarships for him and um, ways that he could potentially go to school out here. Um, And and then my youngest little brother is he's, he's going to be a sophomore. Okay. Well, that's good. So was this your first little brother that was born about the time that you were starting college? It was the last one. It was the last one. Yeah. Okay. The youngest one. Mm. It's that surprise baby. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, Thor, if you're listening to this, that was you. <laughs> no, I mean, his mom was like, I think he knows, but his mom was like very, very high risk. And the doctors uh-huh. told her after my second little brother that if she had another one, she would probably die. Oh my God. Um, and so she, but she had one in it anyway. Um, <laughs> so after that, my dad was like, no more, got a vasectomy. <laughs> but yeah, so um, yeah, no, no hard feelings. I love him, but I just, you know, that's just, it's just something that it mm-hmm. happened and, you know, it could have been prevented as far as like me not being able to go, but it just, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. I just want to make sure that my siblings like have an opportunity. Mm. Yeah. And they have a, they have a great resource in you of just being able to, you know, kind of walk through the stupid bureaucracy of it all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So best of luck to your little brother trying to go in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm.
So I guess my next question would be, like, I don't know if you're planning to have other kids outside of your sons or, um, you know, mentoring children in the future. But if you could give any, I guess, mixed child, any black child, any child of your mom's background as well, like any advice or any encouragement, do you have something that you would say? Yeah, I would say like definitely be interested, you know, get to know all parts of you because I think that it makes you a well-rounded individual. Like I feel like I can get along with everybody. You know, I've never really run into a situation unless it's like, with a racist person um, where I haven't been able to like have a conversation with somebody, get along with somebody and I think also like educate yourself on other races, other cultures. Like I've always been super interested in that and trying new things. Like I want to try all the cuisines. I want to learn all of the languages if I can. I'm not very good at it, but I try. Um, but it's funny because our mom was, you know, European and, and Mexican and like, you know, all these different things. Um, but she didn't know any Spanish. But she grew up in the Bay Area education system, not grew up, but worked in it. So she actually knew more Chinese than she knew <laughs> anything else. So she would actually like say little phrases or things in Chinese. Um, and I thought I, I love that she was open to learning new languages and new things like because that's what she, the environment that she was in. She adapted. And so I would say, like, it's always really good to have that ability to adapt. You have needed to hear when you were little, like when you were like, I don't know if that just did something weird to my mic. Is there anything <laughs> you think you needed to hear when you were little and going I think through I would all have, of this? I think I would have liked to kind of have that conversation about race and like, this is your background and be proud of it. Um, because I guess I didn't really know anything and still really don't know as much, you know, about my family and the background and like where everybody came from and, and everything like that. Like, I think that's a good conversation to have. Like my um, fiance's mom had that conversation with his sons mm. about like, Hey, you know, our family has a whole book about them. You know, they did all these things and, and like showed them the book and like told, tells them stories about like, you know, their family on her side. And I think that it's really important to just like have that connection with your ancestors. Um, and I wish that, you know, more people had the ability to have that connection. Cause I think that it's important to know where you come from. I definitely think so. Is there anything in particular you do to feel close to them? Um, you said I your still, mom has, yeah. Yeah, I do that. I still like get tamales um, to help me feel closer to her. Like when her birthday comes around or like it's day of the dead, I'll like get tamales and that's like our thing. Um, and so I like to have those. Um, another thing that I do, it's not really like, from the background, but like I bake her cookies that she used to make. Um, they're really good. <laughs> and that kind of helps me feel closer to her as well. But as far as tradition wise, um, you know, I really wanted to make sure that on my dad's side, I learned how to do my aunt's cooking so that I could keep that 
in the family as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, I'm like, it takes, and like, it's so much work to reconnect when you haven't, you know, had the chance to. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm proud of you and your sister for, you know, how much, you, how much work it takes and how much work you, it seems you guys have done to look into yourselves. Yeah. And to do that without a lot of guidance. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is like you have to put in the work. You have to do the research because in, unless you're taught about it, it's not just going to come to you. Um, like I found out so many things about my family through like ancestry, you know, that I didn't know. My uncle Bernie, who is on our mom's side, like he like partially raised me in San Francisco. You know, he his. dad was Polish his mom was Mexican and they weren't raised to speak Spanish so they even though it was fluently spoke by his mother and all of the women all of the aunties and and grandmas and stuff in the household the kids weren't taught to be fluent in Spanish because they wanted them to be Americanized yeah so that's kind of where the whole Polish Irish Mexican thing came from is because like my like our my uncle he's actually my great uncle so he is my mom's mom's brother and so they had a polish father and a mexican mother and then they were then polish and mexican and then my mother's my grandma's husband had an was Irish. So that's kind of how it trickled down. And then my sister and I had our different dads and it got diluted again. So I think according to ancestry, like I'm only like 10% indigenous Mexican. I think I think in line with that too and you know everybody is trying to piece together their story and their identity of themselves but in a lot of ways you also like you in particular have some loose ends that have been um, tied together with ancestry yeah yeah and some conversations that didn't get to be had mm -hmm. And this doesn't have to be necessarily about those that have passed. It can still be about those who are alive. But like, if you could have, if you could have a conversation and know you were going to get an honest and complete answer, is there a question that you've always wanted to ask your family about your background or yourself? If you had a chance to talk to, you know, everybody dead or alive, do you have a question? That's a really good, a really good question. I guess, like, I always wish that I had, like, the best of everything, I guess. So I would want to know more about, like, just all of the cultures. Like, I wish I knew more about, like, my dad's side of the family and, like, even past my grandmother and my great-grandmother. Um, I wish that um, my grandmother and my mom's side, like, I wish, like, they... pass their culture down and taught them Spanish so that we could know Spanish, you know, and I wish that, um, like even the Irish side, like I knew more about that culture. Cause it seems like everything got so diluted, you know? And, and so like, I'm trying to tap into all of those cultures as an adult,
so that, you know, if I do have my own child, which I don't know if I even want to, but if I did, um, (laughs) if I did, I would be able to pass some of that knowledge down to them as well. I think it'll be interesting to see how that develops and also like things come out more over time, especially as like people kind of enter that elder stage. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, in my family, sometimes they have entered the elder stage and they don't care as much. And so they're willing to have that conversation. So it's always interesting to, you know, wonder how that's going to develop. And it's just like, maybe you're going to get the chance. Yeah, I think just like one thing that I've experienced is like people label me as like exotic or you know a certain there's a certain way I don't like that like I just want to be a normal person like I don't want to be seen as like better than or you know what I mean like when you like Mm -hmm. when we talked about earlier about that like light skin dark skin thing like I don't I don't like that so I think something that I want is to just be able to embrace like all of all of who I am Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't want to be seen as a certain way because of what I am you know what I mean as a mixed person yeah this is something that I'm I guess I kind of just skirted past this because you have a fiance and Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to cut this part but I'm like (laughs) I've been very single for a very long time and so I'm just Mm -hmm. I don't even know what it what that sort of being at that point in your life looks like Mm -hmm. I'm 25 And something, but something that I've asked Arissa and some of my other guests is like, have you, like that experience that you described, I've seen happen a lot in dating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Particularly. Have you had any, like, would you be willing to speak about any of, like, have you had any adverse experiences with people because you're mixed in terms of dating? Like that exotic Uh comment. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think people maybe like that might be something that has attracted them, but I don't know, you know, exactly what it is. But like, like my fiance used to always joke in the beginning about like light skin, this light skin, that, but, you know, being that his son was sensitive to it at, you know, being sensitive about his skin color at one point, he did kind of stop doing that because, you know, we don't know like what kids are feeling and why they might feel that way. But the fact that he at one point, you know, felt excluded in a sense because his skin was darker. Like we want to make sure that we let him know that like he is beautiful, like his skin is beautiful and and there's nothing wrong or different about him. Like everybody's different, you know, it's just genetics, but, and he should be proud of it. Um, but I do see people who um, come up to other people or even something that I did forget about experiences. Like when people say like, oh, you're this for a black person. Oh, you're this, like you, you know, I have been told like, oh, you don't act black, you know, and, and in both a negative and a positive way. Mm. And so, um, you know, I, that's something that I think has affected me too. You know, like I have, friends that you know they like to get ratchet they like to you know go out and have a good time and I don't think there's anything wrong with that like sometimes I like to get ratchet (laughs) but um you know I don't think that anybody should be judged for that and um 
there's a difference, definitely a difference between, you know, somebody being raised a certain way and somebody just like choosing to be ignorant. Um, and I think that there's a fine line between that too. Like, I don't think anybody should be judged or discriminated against for, you know, how they act if they're not hurting anybody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's in, like that phrase being a double-edged sword is kind of mm-hmm. an interesting phenomenon too. a compliment in one room is an insult in the next. Well, yeah, actually, exactly. let me skirt that back because that's not a compliment either. That's yeah, it's, it's what it's what white people think is a compliment, but it is not exactly. Yeah. And I think that like even in my job, you, you don't see a lot of people of color in leadership positions. Mm-hmm. Um, my company is amazing. I love them. I've been with them for eight years, but it did take a while to see people of color in leadership positions. Um, and it took a lot of like surveys, you know, they would send out surveys to the whole organization. And a lot of people would come back and say, like, we don't see representation. And like, even I've been with my company, it'll be eight years in November. This is the first year where I just received an email. And they have this program for people of color. So like Hispanic people, Asian people and black people. And they have this program on, um, like helping them become leaders in the organization. And I just thought that that was great, but also like, why, why did it take this long? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like we've been having this conversation for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like for a long time, that conversation about diversity and inclusion in the workplace mm-hmm. was either only headed by people of color, mostly led by mm-hmm. black women. Mm-hmm. And then it became this little sprinkle sprinkle phrase that gets thrown into company descriptions. And ever so slowly, people are starting to recognize of like having people of color at the bottom rung of your organization and never allowing them to move up is not does not qualify you for, you know, morale points. Yeah. Yeah. Is that something that. Like you don't have to answer this if it's not mm-hmm. like something that you want to talk about just for professional reasons. But do you think programs like that are, you know, have a chance at being effective? I would hope so. Um, I have seen a change within the company that I work with. I have definitely seen from when I first started, there were no people of colors like VPs or in those higher level positions. And now there definitely are multiple. Um, And I have seen how it's impacted the company in in a a good way. Um, And, but I I think that all companies can always do more, you know, like don't just hire people to say that you have a diverse workforce, like actually, follow through with what you're saying and i think that like the company i work for does a really good job of like at least trying like they you know they've always even from day one they've always promoted like you know all of the like black history month you know asian american pacific islander month like they're very diverse and even outside of race like they have a very big and welcoming um, community for um, you know anybody that's lgbtq plus you know they it's very they're very open and diverse and I, i really like that 
Um, and I think that a lot more companies could do better with that. And I'm glad, even though it's it's a long time coming, but I'm glad that they're actually focusing on people of color to try to like put them into more positions of leadership within the company. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad I'm, you know, very early in my career journey. And so I still, in a lot of ways, look at some programs like with a little bit of a suspicion, but mm-hmm. I, I also hope the same thing where there are so many people that have put their life's work into making workplaces more accessible and inclusive. And mm-hmm. so like it has, to, it has to hit eventually. Yeah. 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 I mean, I literally worked for a company where I was the only black person that worked there and it was very awkward. And the whole company? Um, The whole company. um, As far as anybody I interacted with. Yeah. Um, So I, it was a furniture store Mm -hmm. and, you know, at the furniture store I worked at, there were no other black people. And then even at the, there were two, two different stores. And then I went to the other store, there were no, no black people. And the interesting thing was that they put on events for sports things like the like NBA and mm-hmm. the NFL. And so there was an incident where we went to a box, like a suite at a basketball game. Mm-hmm. And they were there were two different um, incidents in where I got to meet two different basketball players. You know, they're older now. Um, they're retired from the Milwaukee Bucks. But I got to meet them and... I was the only black person in the room with the NBA player who was also black. Mm -hmm. And I think that the other members of the company were offended because those NBA players only really wanted to have a conversation with me because I was relatable to them. Um, And I think another thing was that they were asking questions like, oh, what'd you do with all your money that you made? Did you buy a lot of cars? And, you know, and I was talking to them about like, you know, how did you transition from being in the NBA to like being a family life? Like, what did that look like for you? And and things like that. And I actually got some really great information from them. You know, they were telling me like, go to school, get your education, like do this and that. And, and so I really actually had to make, got to make genuine connections with those people instead of just asking about superficial things, which was very interesting. But I thought that that being a person of color in that situation actually helped me to be able to have those conversations with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like that when you're, or at least in my experience, when I've dealt with people who only value diversity and and inclusion to get brownie points or whatever, that's the value Mm. that they don't see is that people of color, people of, you know, different backgrounds, ethnicities, genders, um, expressions, things like that, pull more people towards the organization. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, yeah, I'm going to treat somebody who grew up like me, who can relate to me, like with a little bit more safety than I am to some white dude, Mm -hmm. quite frankly. And it's so hard to, it's like, I'm sure that there are metrics and things to quantify that, but it'll be really interesting to see what comes out in like 20 years when hopefully people get with the program. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it is something that, you know, may 
in that scenario makes you an asset, but I can see how that would be very awkward. Yeah, it was definitely yeah, it put you in a weird position. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I just stayed there too much longer. Um, but I kind of got like, I was with the company that got bought out by that company. So mm-hmm. they kind of just like had to keep me. <laughs> but I don't think if I was didn't already work there, they probably wouldn't have hired anybody of color. Mm. It's like, well, it's their loss. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I even had like the manager of the other one. I had to kind of like have a difficult conversation with him because he was discriminating against people because of their names. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I was offered the manager position and I chose to turn it down because I just didn't want the responsibility at that time. And um, but when he was interviewing people, he'd be like, oh, this name is hard to pronounce. Like, I don't want to bring them in for an interview. And I was like, that's not right. Like, you don't know anything about them. Like, you know, that's discrimination. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know. It's like, how do I even say? Because I could always just be like, that's so fucked up. Like that, like, that is not yeah. your job. That's so fucked up. <laughs> I think this, I guess my last sort of question to lead you off with is, like, what are you looking forward to at this point? Oh. You've made a new move. You're, you know, you have your job, your kids, you're very established. What are you looking forward to now? Um, I'm just looking forward to like the next step in our lives, I guess. Like I know I kind of touched a little bit on like why we moved here. Um, and so I'm looking forward to just having peace with my fiance, you know, after the kids, probably not until after they turn 18. Um, because of, you know, his ex, it's not really like a peaceful co-parenting situation. So once we have that opportunity, um, I think I'm looking forward to us like buying a house together and like traveling the world together because he hasn't really had the opportunity to do that. Um, and I would love to do that together and like go like deep into our culture, like go to Africa, mm-hmm. go to Mexico, like, like see the things that we want to see, go to Egypt, you know, and, and just learn and explore and have that, um, do that together. Uh, that's something that I look forward to just having that time period in our lives and we'll, we'll be able to do that and enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you guys have a beautiful life and kind of get to, you know, date again during that time, I hope. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've been together for eight years already. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of the reason why we haven't been able to get married, like, is that, you know, that difficult co-parenting situation um, just with all the money that he's had to spend with on court. So I think that just us being able to have our time together and enjoy, you know, what we'd like to do. I think that's just something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the pod and being as authentic and patient as you have been. It's been really great to hear your yeah. perspective and to learn more about you. Well, thank you so much. You like made me think about a lot of things that I you know, didn't think about or haven't thought about in a long time. And so, um, you know, one of the things that I honestly have been wanting to do is go to therapy and like unpack, you know, the stuff that we went through with our mom and, and even like, as far as like, 
you know, the identity crisis that you go through um, being a mixed person. Um, So I think that it'll be very helpful. And that's, you know, another thing that I would tell people is don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, there's nothing wrong with going to therapy and and getting to know yourself Mm -hmm. and what your triggers are, you know. Yeah. And heal. Mm hmm. A plus for therapy. 